guys up intro uh last last time was well received so thank you everybody for listening in to wise up we uh are in a special treat today we have vertex's very own director of standardization todd harple applause please <laughs> um we're going to learn about a little bit about todd today and we're also going to learn about um making the smart building simple so uh, Todd's going to go into greater length and detail about what actually is included and what Vertex and they're doing to help uh, standards bodies and uh, help along the trends that we're seeing. And um, with that said, um, we're not going to talk to Todd about uh, his uh, long walks on the beach and what he does in his free time. Uh, we're here to talk about just the facts. Um, a lot of times people don't realize all the things that go into IoT and 5G. Uh, they see these 30 second commercials about Verizon every two seconds, um, how 5G is coming and good, have you heard, heard me now and whatnot. But what goes behind it? You know, what's behind the walls, what's under the floors, what's in the ceiling, what's making it all work? So that's what we're here to try to establish with Wise Up. We're trying to educate our listeners on the layer one infrastructure and how critical it is to all the different uh, avenues or verticals, I should say, like utilities, healthcare, government, financial services, education and data centers, things that we all either work in or uh, need. So uh, with that said, Todd, thank you again for uh, taking time out of your hectic schedule. And we're looking forward today to hear about what Vertex has in store in helping uh, making the smart building simple. You bet. Thanks, Anthony. You know, I think uh, it's a really great topic to be talking about right now with uh, intelligent buildings and all the things that they can offer, um, you know, not only the occupants, but also the building owners or property managers. and and then how they actually connect to a smart city and, and the important pieces of information that, that are really generated every second of every day in these intelligent buildings. And the conversion of a lot of the buildings, control systems, operating functions, all of these different systems are now starting to move from what was a proprietary system to an ethernet platform, which allows them to intercommunicate in ways that they never did and then operate in a coordinated way. And that's creating a whole new demand for physical network infrastructure that we haven't seen before. Right, right. Let me just ask you this, Todd. So we know your, your title, uh, Standardization Director at, at Vertex and the same company. What is that, you know, what drives, you know, your position? What is it that you do and your team, um, what, what's motivating you to, uh, get out of bed every day and say, my job's awesome, and, and this is what we're doing. Could you explain to our listeners if they aware where you're coming from? You bet. Um, so my, my title may be a little confusing with director of standardization. It, it has more to do with some of the things that I get involved with, with industry standards, helping to develop those, participating on standards committees for TIA, for IEEE, um, and even for some of the code-making panels, providing um, right. input to those. Um, but for, for me, what's exciting today is 
the fact that everything is coming together to be more intelligent. It's involving more and more uh, connectedness. And, you know, I've, I've been in the industry for, you know, a long time, over 30 years. Right. I hate to admit that. that you know, kind of shows, how, shows my age. But I, I've seen it go from, you know, the days when you had voice and data managers in a, in a, uh, in a company that were completely separate. You know, the voice guys were, were separate from the data guys, and now everything's come together there. Now we're starting to see the, the building managers, the facilities managers, and the IT managers start to have functions that are overlapping. And it's exciting because new technologies are coming out all the time and we're incorporating them into buildings. So um, I know when we first spoke, you were talking about the, the task group or things that your uh, your team is uh, focused on and trying to work with the IEEE's and the standard bodies. Um, what where is Vertec uh, in a whole uh, when we talk about the intelligent platforms as far as you know again layer one infrastructure where we're talking about fiber optic cable and copper cable and the connectivity that supports that. Um, what's your team looking to do to achieve you know greatness so to make a Edge that part um, to this whole fight. Sure. So uh, right now, you may not realize it, but there isn't a single definition of what a smart building is, and there are a number of organizations that are trying to to define what makes a building smart. And there are independent criteria that you can use to to say whether a building is green, like the USGBC has. And USGBC has their lead system where you provide points for different aspects. And TIA is trying to do the same thing. And we're participating on the TIA's working group for smart buildings to help determine or help provide the criteria that is used to define what a smart building is. But what, what we're really work involved with are, you know, parts of what a smart building is are the intelligent networks that are going to be deployed to make sure that that building functions the way it's supposed to. And what we're finding is that those intelligent networks are more and more incorporating specific types of cable. Um, and whether that's optical fiber in many cases or copper cabling, um, those, those pieces of the network are being viewed as, I guess I would call it an operational technology network. Mm -hmm. And many, many of the building managers are starting to deploy those in a separate but parallel network that we're calling uh, a ULAN or utility LAN. Um, it may look like the traditional, you know, IT department's uh, local area network, but it's got a very different function. And really that's because there are so many different individual components and individual systems that are being deployed that they they need to not interfere with the buildings or the business's main function on their IT. So if I, if I might ask, when, when for the people that are listening, when you're talking about this emergence uh, of what Vertex trying to achieve with the solutions that they're supporting, what are the you know areas like we, we talk about building automation and building intelligence, but what are the other verticals there that are supporting? So like somebody listening that has no clue uh, of what really goes into an intelligent building. So from security to building automation and some other added 
avenues uh, that you could further elaborate on, we'd greatly appreciate. Yeah, the what we're seeing, um, and depends on the type of facility, right? So a healthcare facility could have some different needs than let's say an office building, but in many cases, you're connecting your HVAC control, your lighting systems, you're connecting uh, maybe uh, flow control on some water systems. So those mechanical functions that you're seeing, um, all of those play a very important role in making sure that a building is number one, safer, number two, could possibly be greener or more energy efficient uh, or you know, also resilient. So it's able to recover. Uh, in a big in a big way from from a natural disaster or some other uh, you know a fire or those kinds of things. So those are the kinds of functions we're seeing. And and there's one other hidden benefit to an intelligent building that is a very interesting study, and that is that productivity in an, an intelligent building has been shown to increase for those occupants that are in an intelligent building versus those that are not. So there's a kind of a commercial real estate rule of thumb that says if your uh, energy costs are generally around $3 per square foot, uh, then you would expect your rent to be about $30 a square foot. Uh, but the cost of the employees is going to be about $300 per square foot. So those are kind of round numbers. But when you increase the productivity of the occupants of the building, you've now had a positive impact on the most valuable part of the business, whether it's a healthcare facility, an office worker, even a factory worker, all of those are, the productivity of all of those areas are increased with the intelligence. Yeah, and I was, uh, I think we, you and I had a discussion about this. I know in the New York metro area, uh, I had mentioned to you, I went to a conference that was sponsored by Johnson Controls uh, in the beginning of the year, and they brought up, uh, Local Law 97, uh, which is basically uh, asking all the building owners throughout the tri-state area to reduce their um, carbon footprint or their energy consumption by 40% by the year 2030. And you know, oh, that's 10 years away, but in actuality, you look at some of these uh, world-class buildings that have already been erected or are going up as we speak, like. Hudson Yards, for example, <clears throat> if you look at the guidelines that this uh, bill is being passed, it, these, these facilities that work with billions and trillions of dollars uh, are now not meeting that standard. So, you know, what you're talking about is saying how the intelligent overlay, or, you know, the UN, the emergence of having all these different things could identify that to any um, property owner or property management company, basically, is what you're saying, correct? That's, that's very true. The, the property management companies, if they're the ones that are responsible for maintaining the building and the operation of the building, then they are the ones that are going to have to invest in this technology. And one of the things that we've found uh, in, in our work with some of these companies that are designing intelligent buildings is that oftentimes the general contractor will come in and there will be a there will be an additional cost to deploy some of these newer technologies. Mm -hmm. And that upfront cost needs to be considered, of course, but it's the ongoing operational 
efficiencies and then certainly the reduction in carbon footprint that have become the most important aspects of intelligent buildings and those are all enabled by these intelligent systems intelligent right. systems require you know an intelligent infrastructure to be able to function right and you don't need to have an it background to understand the difference between capex savings versus opex savings i mean over time if a company can reduce their operating expenditures, they're they're going to look at ways to innovate and be more conscious of what they're spending monthly, quarterly, annually. So again, uh, you know, deploying the rule of thumb, penny wise, dollar foolish, here is a great example of that. Um, you know, you might have to spend a little bit more in the beginning, um, but the operating cost is. Uh, can be uh, definitely savings uh, in the long term. Right. And that operational cost, you know, there are things that are quite often overlooked. Most people think of reduction in operational costs as simply the reduction in, in energy consumption, but that's just a, a portion of the benefit of having intelligent building, right? So as we, you know, how does that relate to what you and I are talking about today? in terms of what are the things that need to be put in place for an intelligent building to operate. And that really is this concept of the utility land or ULAN. And when we think about the ULAN, the way that we at Vertex think about it are in kind of two different sections, well, maybe three. So there, certainly there's gonna be an element of, um, you know, the wireless infrastructure. So there, there are wireless components to a intelligent infrastructure, but most people all agree that there's a lot of wires that go into wires. Yeah, no, I, I remember I was in a meeting one time with an architect firm who really didn't know anything about, and not knocking architects, but they didn't know anything about the network infrastructure. And we were talking about this design and it was an all glass building. Uh, basically the walls and the, uh, around the room had access control, had security cameras, it had digital signage, and I raised my hand very, uh, very scared in the room because I was like a fly on the wall, not supposed to say anything, but I was the only person in the room that was being conscious that there's cabling infrastructure, the layer one infrastructure to support the network, and the uh, architect came to me and he said, well, that's, that's going to be uh, wireless, like, Oh, this guy's an idiot, you know, like saying to me. I was like, well, yeah, no, that's, that's great. And you can put a battery back up in your access card reader and all these different things. But eventually there's going to need communication between. So there's going to be either some type of has a wire, as you, you know, or additional infrastructure to support powers and comms. So, you know, we look sometimes and we take for granted uh, as we go into an elevator and the floor that we want to go to is pressed by um, you know, the attendant at the, at the building so we don't have to touch anything in the elevator and the TV that's playing in there is just running telling you know about the news and the commercial or um, you know we, we get all these different things uh, that were accessible to us very uh, at our fingertips you know exactly so, so we look at, at many of the applications um, that are part of this utility land are either high powered devices that require a lot of bandwidth, you know, so a good example of that would be 
digital signage, running video content, you know, like on a college campus or in a healthcare facility with information constantly being updated. Though a lot of those are being uh, powered through that communication cable as well, right? Those, those screens can be powered or let's say a high def pan tilt zoom POE surveillance camera. Uh, you know, those are gonna require a lot of power to, to power the camera, to power the servo motors that are gonna allow it to move and then also have um, you know, a good chunk of bandwidth to, to deliver the image back to wherever the device is recording to. And so you have to have that high power, high bandwidth connection be connected to a cable that's capable of providing the power level, the PoE power level, as well as give, delivering the bandwidth. And that, that particular product would be something like our CAT6A Landmark SST cable that has the capability of delivering that 90 watts of PoE power um, without having to limit the bundle size because the way the cable is designed, it's not going to overheat in large bundles. Um, the other, the other kind of general category that we see in the ULAN are those components that still require maybe medium to high power, but don't require as much bandwidth. So, a good example of that would be PoE LED lighting. Uh, whenever I talk about that, people kind of roll their eyes sometimes at me saying, well, you know, POE lighting, I haven't seen that deployed very much. And it's early in its infancy right now. It's early in its infancy. I think so, yeah. Um, but it, it's, got, yeah. it's got some real advantages. And, you know, delivering the power through the communication cable to the individual lights and controlling them at the same time has a lot of benefits. Um, we've, we've done some studies and, and um, looked at some of the benefits of that. And a lot of these PoE lighting uh, manufacturers are starting to really ramp up their, uh, their, their production of different types of lighting. That was one of the complaints about PoE lighting is the, the, uh, the small number of options that you have and light types, you know, the, the, the luminaires and that type of thing. But those particular products would need high power, lowish bandwidth, and then we would recommend our landmark IP cable, which is actually a CAT5e cable, can still support up to gigabit Ethernet, but it has a large 22 gauge conductor that will more efficiently deliver the power to those individual devices. Okay. Um, you know, one one of the things that I also saw on the or I came in contact with uh, with one of your Vertex um, reps in the Northeast was uh, One Reach. Yes. So uh, talking about that with them was basically rack to device. So for people that don't understand where the trade-off is there, again, if you're not an IT uh, network person, you understand the cost of you know, putting, securing a, um, a pad of concrete in an additional uh, closet that now you have to secure where versus with this one reach, uh, what they were telling you go from the rack in your secured location to the actual device, or whether that be a security camera and or a wireless access point in a campus environment, in a hospital, a parking garage. Um, again, you're reducing the cost of the physical structure that you might have to build out in the traditional measure. Um, and what was the uh, the distance of, of length on that, do you recall? Yes, but there's actually, depending on uh, how much power you need to deliver to the end device, if it's relatively low power, like 15 watts, you can go uh, over 3,000 feet wow. um, with, with that uh, one reach device. Now, if you start to increase the amount of power you want to deliver, 
Um, you know, the power, it's, it's DC power being delivered via copper conductors and the Ethernet signals being delivered via optical fiber in the same cable. Um, so the higher power levels start to reduce your, your reach only because there is natural voltage drop as you start to push DC power through, you know, an 18 gauge conductor or a 12 gauge conductor, there starts to be, starts to be a limit. So if you're delivering 60 watts of power, then you're, you're, you're limited to uh, some reductions there. Yeah. But you're still, you know, the, the great thing about that is, is POE as traditionally uh, used is limited to hundred meters or 333 feet, um, uh, you know, over standard twisted pair cable, but this one reach device allows you to go much further with these specialty conductors and the optical fiber. So we, we touched on uh, smart lighting, building automation, uh, security, AVs, you know, we talked about the applications with uh, digital signage. Um, what about uh, the 5G and the ability with the wireless? Can you uh, possibly elaborate on the uh, convergence or the emergence of VLAN and how it touches on uh, the 5G? Because again, as I said earlier, every 30 seconds Verizon has a commercial 5G. So, you know, could you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. The, the 5G networks, I mean, the mobile network carriers are definitely deploying their 5G networks in starting in major metropolitan areas, right? So they're they're taking their existing cell sites and they're overlaying 5G uh, networks, 5G radios, if you will, because they're new, new frequency range on those. Um, but they're going to be doing a lot more with uh, overlay of smaller, uh, smaller cells and those kinds of things. But the bottom line is the new frequencies don't penetrate some of the specialty glass types that are being used on buildings today specifically for energy efficiency. So there's going to be an in-building wireless system like a DAS digital, uh, you know, a um, antenna system or a small cell that's gonna have to be installed inside the building to be able to propagate these new 5G signals to users inside the building. And there's been studies that have shown that, you know, up to 80% of the data on any one device is actually sent or received inside of a building. We're not you know, we spend most of our time time inside of a building, and that's where we use our our cell phones or our devices the most. Right. So I, I was saying to you, I think last time there was a, a Gartner research uh, that was conducted. I think um, last year or year before, they were talking about 85 percent of all business calls are conducted. 85 percent are conducted on a cell phone. So that's yeah, exactly. Mind-numbing uh, number to think of. You know, all the amount of Structured, you know, drops that you're going into an office or, or any type of physical facility to put in a landline these days. Uh, some companies are probably, you know, scratching their head, but when it comes to deploying wireless capability so that you can ensure the connectivity um, is there. Right. Uh, and a commercial real estate magazine actually published a uh, result of a survey that they did that talked about all these building owners or property managers who all absolutely believe that they must have 5G connectivity inside their building if they're going to be able to rent their space. So it is going to become a very important aspect for them. And what I found by looking at the equipment that's being used for that signal propagation, the vast majority fall into two categories. One is 
they are distributing the signal using optical fiber for almost all of the connections, single mm -hmm. mode optical fiber, uh, both from the baseband unit that connects to your you know, mobile network operator and then up to the, the different uh, hubs and then out to the antennas themselves. They're using optical fiber for those connections. And in some cases, they're using optical fiber as their backbone connection and then using CAT6A as the distribution to the actual antennas themselves. Um, so now, with the standards being that you're the standard uh, director, the standardization director, um, is the standards body officially changed on the IEEE or CIA on 6A with wireless access points that need to be 6A? So TIA, certainly their, um, their intelligent building standard, which is the 862 standard, absolutely recommends the use of CAT6A for all of your wireless access points, whether it's for 5G or Wi-Fi, uh, because some of the newer technologies like 802.11ax, uh, which we call Wi-Fi 6, um, is definitely going to be needing at least one CAT6A, if not several CAT6As, to every access point provide the backhaul bandwidth that you is that those access points are capable of. And same thing with the 5G uh, antennas. There's a lot of bandwidth going through those 5G antennas and they're going to need at least 6A cabling to be able to support that. Right. Well, I mean, again, we thank you uh, tremendously for taking the time out of your hectic schedule and, and talking with us on Wise Up. Um, you know, as a uh, provider at Wise Components, as a Vertex uh, Vertex level two solutions. Uh, we, you know, we try to identify the, the right solutions uh, to the tri-state area as well as outside of the tri-state New York tri-state area. And uh, educate uh, is our first goal, so that uh, clients that are coming to us, uh, they know that our team is doing everything we can to get the right product in hand. Um, you know, now with everything going on and and uh, Pretty much 80% of the, the workforce is mandated and instructed to work remotely. Um, the, the, the point of having an intelligent building and really assessing and knowing how much physical uh, building footprint is needed versus wanted. Uh, I, I, I'm sure now more than ever, you know, you look at uh, children going to class at, at the kitchen table now every day because of this huge pandemic that's going on worldwide, uh, you know, this is going to change uh, how we build out our network. I mean, most houses in the residential market don't deploy categories table on the walls, but I, I would think that that's going to change a lot of apartment building structures, being that they're built out like um, city-type uh, uh, office buildings. Right, exactly. I think that's going to be it's going to be very important, especially for even uh, school systems these days, being able to have the right infrastructure so that their uh, their teachers can do instruction, um, right, from, from you know. And it goes back to what you were saying about productivity. You know, it, it brings it back to that. So now I'm thinking, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and my child's home now, going to school. And, you know, years ago, if I had a snow day, that was it. We didn't do we didn't do any work. But now uh, I'm thinking that uh, the school districts and, and basically across the country can say, well, we know we don't have to worry about school uh, snow days anymore. They could uh, they could just dial into Zoom or any other platform 
uh, to do their work and uh, we don't lose any of the lesson plans that were put out there again, in, ensuring the, that the pro productivity continues. Uh, same thing goes with, you know, all these uh, chats that are going on in, in, in the business world when people are continuing to work and, and continuing to conduct themselves in a uh, productive and effective way by video conferencing and, and other types of these platforms. Um, this, this call right here is being conducted on Zoom. So, you know, that's, that's one thing I, I would say that uh, this is a wake up call on many, many levels. Uh, it's, it's dreadful that what's going on this pandemic and all the people that it is affecting. Um, but from the professional uh, level on the commercial side, you know, having the ability to build out these things to ensure productivity for the future is uh, is somewhat appealing to me because you know this is what we we work and thrive in is the layer one infrastructure. So this is definitely um, a realization that all these companies have to come to grips with and say, I can't just have a two coffee cans and a shoestring anymore. I need to have um, a reliable network. Absolutely. A reliable, reliable network that's going to be able to handle all of the future technologies that we're going to be putting on it. Right. No, absolutely. Um, again, everybody, thank you for taking this opportunity to listen to myself, Anthony Romeo at Wise Up, and uh, Todd Harple from Vertex, a uh, next name company. Um, for, to listen to Wise Up Radio, to be on Apple Podcasts and other streaming services. Um, do follow me on One Wise Man. Uh, and uh, look at Wise Components on uh, all the other social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, and uh, we'll have this up and live uh, shortly. So again, Todd, I, I want to thank you uh, tremendously for taking this opportunity and uh, look forward to uh, working with you closely in the future. So again, thank you so much. You bet. My pleasure.